In honour of Leeds winning the FIFA Fair Play Award, we're proroguing the championship. Go home the Totally Football League show, you're drunk. Hello, I'm Caroline Barker. You might remember me from such films as Babe, Big in the Chelmsford City and A Football League of My Own. Did you write that, Abby? And I've just read that, which is suggesting I'm a pig, which is right on all fronts. Alongside me, the two supporting men in this cast. First up, a man who could be in a cast after the photo he sent us on the group chat on Tuesday, but nothing would hold back the footballing hard man from the Arsenal culinary spread. Starring in Lockstock and Five Giant Stitches, it's Adrian Clark. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, my head hurts, but nothing could keep me away from here today. We're not going to tell anyone what happened apart from you, Sam car park outside These last week. Yeah. Back from four weddings and a fundraiser, it's Swindon legend Sam Parkin. Good morning, Caroline. Uh, nice any to see of that you. you want to discuss? I've eaten a lot of duck. Have you? Yeah. In yeah. in wraps? No, no, in, in t- near Toulouse. I think it's the <laughs> local delicacy. Oh. So I've had a lot of duck. Can I, my little bit of advice for you, and you can take this away, and it is about a takeaway. If you create a duck pancake the night before, don't try and eat it the next day because the pancake does go all hard. That, is, that is clearly the best form of duck. In a pancake? Yeah. 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 You are right. <laughs> Above everything else. I once had one where I only knew it was duck because it came out with a glassiered head on top of the shredded meat below it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, True story. Don't want to see the head. No, that was in Beijing. Uh, no Joe Crilly. He's busy drinking in pints, soaking up Bolton's almost success thanks to their 1-1 draw with Sunderland at the weekend. 1-1 with Sunderland. Is that anything to cheer about? Possibly not. EFL Cup, we have a, I'm going to say hungover, slightly delirious, someone from Colchester United on in a minute, but that could be scandalous because quite clearly we don't know if they're hungover and, and were drunk last night. But wouldn't you be? Do you want to talk about anything else in the EFL Cup? Shall we gloss over Luton nil Leicester 4? Apart from to say, best stroke, worst ever tweet from Luton Town last night. 44 minutes, second goal for Leicester, and it's James Justin, who else, who tucks in the cross away from the town six-yard box. The whole of Kenilworth Road then breaks out in spontaneous applause and a rendition of James Justin, he's one of our own. I mean, would you do that? Yeah, I think so. If he's come through the system there. Yeah, I think he gave good service, didn't he? He was outstanding last season. Is it? Well, when you've just conceded a goal? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so, given that he was there, you know, all the way through. And he's been... Monu- you know, massive in them getting up to the championship. So, yeah, I think that was a nice touch, but I think it just shows the strength that Leicester have got, really, doesn't it? This year, a good squad, and uh, Luton's priority is going to be getting enough points in the in the old champ. Oh, very nice people, aren't they? In yeah. Luton, clearly, uh... they weren't to me, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got to mention Crawley, right? Yeah, I mean. I mean... I suppose it's not that big a feat beating Stoke City this season. <laughs> but, uh, but no, well played to them. They, they've surprised me. They continue to surprise me, Crawley Town. And, and the more I look at their team, the more I think that it, it's, it's certainly not by any, not by chance. They've got a lot of hungry players, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, particularly in those attacking midfield positions. Uh, Reese Gregor Cox, released by QPR, went to Woking, got his chance. He's flying. Kamara... Dulwich Hamlet got his chance. He's flying. Lubala, we've talked about. Yeah. Um, so look, these these are younger. They're all twenty-one or twenty-two. Those three guys, and they're driving Crawley on. Crawley won one with Stoke five-three on penalties. Nathan Jones afterwards said, "Whether they don't want to play for me or it was just playing poorly, you'll have to ask Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. Doesn't it exist? Would you? What then playing for? Um, would you? say that if you were a manager would you say the whether they just don't want to play for me 
he's tried everything else, hasn't he, to yeah. this point? It's, it's a bit like the Sunderland situation. I know they're different ends of the table to a degree, but I just don't know what they do now. And I've seen someone's tweeted in this morning about, you know, is it time that the players take full responsibility well that was Craig wasn't he? he says can we stop blaming managers at blaming managers at Stoke the players need to take a hell of a lot mm. of responsibility simply not performing no matter the formation tactics etc when on the pitch they're letting everyone down including themselves yeah we, we know there's a lot of layers to this there's the players that are left over that don't want to be at the club maybe um, the players that saw a young hungry quite passionate manager coming in are you going to take to that straight away when you've been an international footballer and you've played a lot of games in the Premier League um, I think that's a quite unusual dynamic would you two have struggled with that mm, it's difficult because I didn't really get to that that stage in my career so I can't put myself in that position but what he has to take a little bit of flack for is the opportunity to mold his squad better in the summer I think and you know we knew he had a set way of playing I'm not seeing the recruitment that I expected coming into that club. So that's maybe where his argument falls down to a degree. But some of the players have not been available for a lot of games. Yeah. I don't know, Nick Power, what's happened to him. Sam Vokes hasn't been available a lot. He's been unlucky with red cards. I think everything's conspired against him. Let's, let's get this right, though. Any lack of respect towards Nathan Jones because of his background compared to their status as a Premier League club is garbage. Yeah. Arsene Wenger, anybody? No one had heard of him. When he turned up in English football, he wasn't a footballer. Isn't it, isn't he wasn't it, a very good footballer. Isn't it more the methods I'm talking about? And the, uh, well. the way he carries himself to a degree, the way he banged his chest towards the end of last season and said, mm. wait until I've had my summer, wait until I've got the work. Into okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. And um, he made some changes, didn't he? And he, he's built the team a bit more in his own mould and, and it's still not working. So He's not coming on today, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just feel, I, I feel for him because I know he's a good coach. Yeah. I know he's a good manager. I agree but, with you. I but, agree with you. But, but yeah, he's running out of tactics, isn't he? And he has dug out a lot of players that he might need in the coming weeks should he survive, of course. Uh, I'm sort of caught in the lower league loving between Nathan Jones, Danny Cowley as well, the results at the weekend. And, and he got a clean sheet at, at the weekend, which was a positive, and that's taking it forward. You would want to see a reaction from the players coming up this weekend in the next game, wouldn't you? If if that's if that's the fact, you know, the players aren't playing for him or something else is going on, but they can't keep changing them. At some point, you've got to stick, right? Mm. You got to, you got to do a. Norwich and Daniel Farker and ride out a horrible period. It's just whether but, this has been too long of a horrible period. If it goes period. too far... When's too far is, then? Well, it's hard to tell from the outside, isn't it? Yeah. We, we're not privy to what's going on inside, but if the players aren't listening anymore and they decide to do whatever they want rather than what Nathan wants, then I've, no matter how good he is, you kind of have to change it. Would you like to laugh at Spurs, Adrian oh, Clark? Of course. All right. Colchester nil, Spurs nil, 4-3. Colchester United win on penalties. We will get some reaction next. Colchester beating Tottenham assistant manager at Colchester United, Steve Ball, and and someone with an Arsenal legacy too joins us. Hi, Steve. Hi, Caroline. Hiya. Uh, see, there's, there's someone that's underplaying the moment. <laughs> give, give me a bit more excitement about last night. How was it for you? <laughs> Yeah, it was, just, it was just a fantastic night. I think everybody with the football club, I've been there for a good few years now. It's certainly the best night in my time there. And um, just from start to finish, the way the game panned out, I think Spurs were a class act on and off the pitch before, during and after. And it's just worked out 
obviously fantastically well by winning on penalties and we're also delighted about it. Why I mentioned the Gunners thing, you were an Arsenal player in much younger days. I remember, not... Steve, yeah, when I was sort of yeah. 12, yeah, 12, 13, you were, you were in the youth team, weren't you? Really successful youth team. Did you well. clean his boots, Adrian? No, I think you moved on before that, <laughs> before I got to that point. But I would have cleaned them. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Well, you'd be cleaning them now. Um, I know that these two want a, want a quick word with you too, but I just wanted to mention the penalty takers. I was talking to David at the club and he said that your academy has produced the winning penalty takers against both Palace and Spurs, which is fantastic during the, the products that come through. I know you, you've sold a few of the academy players too, just at that age, having that composure and doing it for the club. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm the one that organised the penalties on both occasions. And it's, just hey. it's, it's just been brilliant. I'm, I'm, not trying to take, I'm not trying to take credit for that, by the way, but it was just, um, I've obviously go through the order and Frank Newball was, I think, two or three. And then, honestly, both Noah Chill was at Crystal Palace, who's an 18-year-old youth team product, and sort of Tom Lapsy last night, who's been with us for five, six years, come through the system. They both absolutely wanted that last penalty. So there was nothing sort of kind of nervous about it. They were straight in for it. And I think that gives you an idea as to the sort of mentality we try to bring through at the football club, which is confidence. And obviously they were very keen to take it and have obviously produced the goods as well. Yeah, terrific defensive performance. Not it's No fluke, clearly. You did it at Palace. You did it against Tottenham Hotspur. So... So hats off for the for the organisation as well pre-match. At the other end of the pitch, you obviously lost Sammy Smodix, who came from midfield, scored a lot of goals last season. Um, but you don't seem to be missing him as much as many people anticipated. I guess Giovanni Brown's come in and, and hit the ground. And you've got some exciting players, haven't you, in and around the, the centre forward, some good, young, powerful players. Absolutely, yeah. I think that um, obviously Sammy was a huge miss to us he was our top scorer last season, but we've been very good in the summer with, with other recruitment sort of driving. As you say, Giovanni, Luke Gambin, also got another young kid coming through called Kwame Pocker, who's excellent, excellent young player. So that's Courtney Senior as well, is one who we really got high hopes for. And I think that all of them players have a sort of similar sort of kind of quality, which is pace, dynamic, quick. And I think that's where we recruit on them sort of areas. And I think even last night, the longer the game wore on, I thought we might have nicked it near the end, but obviously we were more defensive-minded for the first part of the game. But those players up the top of the pitch really helped us out as well last night. Simply brilliant. Uh, what is, just briefly, the target for this season? Well, it's our third year with me and John doing the job and we've just missed out in the playoffs two out of three years. So yeah. it goes without saying that that's our key drive this year. We had a bit of a slow start, um, sort of one point off the first three games, but since then we've really kicked into a sort of good groove. And, you know, certainly without, again being overconfident that's got to be a name for us this season to be challenging for them playoffs and maybe beyond that and I think after last night that can only help us uh, I said that was the last one but how did you celebrate how did the team celebrate last night do you know what it was a weird one because it was um, Frank Nubel's birthday um, last night so I think a few of the boys um, went out and celebrated that but certainly as staff it was a bit of a I come down a little bit. We obviously stayed there till quite late because for culture certainly there was sort of nine and a half thousand last night. So getting out of the stadium was a problem. So we just, we just stayed behind, had a had a quick glass of red wine and just chilled out. But certainly today it's nice to reflect on what happened last night. Steve Ball, assistant manager at Colchester United, seeing those those scenes at the end. Although I always think, why are you filming the crowd? Why if it just you know watch what's going on with the penalty? But everyone that clearly got their mobile phones out and was filming uh, the crowd as they came on. Yeah, it's such a boost for the competition, isn't yeah. it? That Colchester and Crawley were able to, to provide upsets at, at this stage of the of proceedings. So, uh, yeah, it just gives hope to, to other League One and League Two sides moving forward. 
I was going to ask him, but I mean, it's, it's done the lower leagues a bit of a favour, scrapping extra time, because yeah. I wouldn't imagine Colchester would have been able to limit Tottenham to a few chances with Lamella, Son uh, and Eriksen into the game. But it, it's what needed to happen. I think we're all yeah. as one there, really. They had yeah. to scrap extra time. So it was the right decision, but it gives the EFL clubs a much better chance. Particularly with the A12 and getting away from the ground oh. after. Absolutely. Right, let's talk championship. There are more EFL Cup matches on a Wednesday night but it's Wednesday morning right now. So off to the championship we head. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. The headlines then from the championship fair play award aside, Spygate Derby, Mark 5, saw Leeds fail to beat the Derby side. We said last week weren't firing on any cylinders and Derby just needed one shot on target. Controlled by Patterson. Martin, he's equalised! We'll get those swag bags out, get the masks out, hand them over and spend a month, Derby County, in internment. It's daylight robbery at Ellen Road. Huddersfield carry on as they started with Danny Cowley saying they've forgotten how to win. A 4-2 defeat to West Brom, their latest, leaving them bottom of the table. Positives, though, positives in that one. And Bielsa wins the, oh, I said I wouldn't mention it again, but we will, the fair play award for allowing Villa to score at the end of last season. The tweets about that were just worth it alone, weren't they? (laughs) Absolutely. West Brom 4, Huddersfield 2. Positives did we see from that one? I think so. Uh, For for Huddersfield, yeah. I mean, they got two good goals on on the counter-attack. I know they they won the ball quite high up, but the the tactic was clear, wasn't it? To sit in quite deep and, and try and break. They went long. I think that's what we've discussed quite a bit, Adrian, the last couple of weeks about how they would set up and they did play quite direct with three um, focal points if you like at the top end of the picks and Kachunga, Campbell and and Grant playing wide but just got a little bit deep and I suppose West Brom are just absolutely superb at coming back from from deficits they've done it so many times recovered 15 points from losing positions and that's that strength in depth they've got on the bench with game changers coming on and having an effect and I, I think you just have to say that that's a good asset to have you know amongst the squad so and that's Bilic all over as well isn't he's the kind of manager I I would want to turn things around for I think so but me and Adrian have both seen them live this year and we said you know still waiting to really get that correct formula at the top of the pitch and he's still kind of shuffling the pack to a degree but the fact that he's got those numbers in those positions important positions says to me they're going to be amongst it I, I just saw Cowley blaming the fitness to a degree saying they ran out of steam and saying they're going to have a mini pre-season can be quite a dangerous game, I think, when you're going into a club saying that type of thing. But he's probably right. Yeah, yeah. no, it won't go down well. <laughs> no but one's, the, no one's double did, sessions. They have looked laboured, haven't they? Like some of the, yeah, they the, ran yeah, out of gas, didn't they? Yeah. But, but it's because West Brom ground them down with possession football and, and with their quality in wide areas. That's what sets them apart, I think, from... From most teams in the division, they've got four really good wingers. I still don't think Bilic has, has got his best team on the pitch. Does he know it? I don't know. He absolutely doesn't know it. But it, it doesn't it help to have Dean Garner you can mm. unleash from the bench or Kyle Edwards or one of the others. Kravinovic, I'm still not totally sure about him. I don't think they need a number 10. I think when you've got two flying wingers, I, th- I, I like the look of a 4 4 2 for West Bromwich Albion, but it's not something Bilic has traditionally done, is it? So we'll have to wait and see. Um, on Huddersfield, I think Lewis O'Brien, good to see him do well. It was a great goal. 
good legs and energy in the midfield. And he was a guy we talked about last year, wasn't he, at Bradford? He'd, he'd helped them out during uh, during the loan spell. So, so good that he's getting an opportunity under the Cowleys. I think you, we spoke about it with Jacko two weeks ago. I think they're going to have to try and get Carl and Grant centrally. Yeah, Do you agree with that? He has definitely. to be running onto things rather than receiving the ball on the half turn. I mean, he's a, he's a very talented young player, but he's in, in he's at his best, I think, in a two when he can be running onto flicks or running down the sides of people. So maybe a 3-5-2 th- uh, potentially if they've got the personnel at the club. Yeah, I'd agree. I think two up top is the way forward. Grant is, is very good at uh, sprinting on onto three balls I think he'd link up brilliantly with Campbell mm. or, or potentially Mounier if you had to I don't think they really want to pick him at the moment he's not delivered so so yeah work to do but I've already seen a, a visible improvement in Huddersfield yeah you can see what they're they're attempting to do West Brom head to QPR the three letter acronym derby <laughs> I thought El Costico was bad for uh, Bournemouth Southampton the for you, QPR, Loftus Road, as a fan or someone working on those games, that was always where I wanted to go as a neutral. I enjoyed it. West Brom this weekend, you've, we've talked a lot about them. You're going to focus on QPR? Yeah, I mean, it's the top scorers in, in West Brom against the second top scorers in QPR. So I fancy it to continue in, in that vein. I'd just like to say today, the QPR fans, just to calm down just to, to a degree. I just think... We need to go back a year to when Steve McLaren had them playing some really good stuff around this time. I noted it down this morning. 2nd of October to January the 12th last season, they lost three games out of 17 and they went on and lost the following seven Mm. in a row. So the the expectations need to be tempered to a degree, but I'm a fan of Warburton. I think he's a good manager. I've always felt he's a good manager. He's been adaptable in the opening weeks of the season in terms of his systems, but what he's done is he's made really intelligent signings Dominic Ball, uh, I think, got a bit of a slagging from Rangers supporters, considering what he did there. He's been brilliant as a defensive midfielder, allowing Elias Chair and Eze to go and play. Chair's been a revolution, uh, revelation, not a revolution. <laughs> Almost to the degree that Eze was last season. Yeah. He's exceeded all expectations. And then the front two, you know, to recognise that Naki Wells needs a partner and Hugo can be that man. I think he's been so sensible. And Lyson was brought back in as well into a back three at the weekend and was outstanding at Millwall. So I'm really excited about QPR. Um, it's not going to be a, a playoff season still in, in my mind, um, but that's a really attractive looking game at the weekend. I expect score draw. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited about the forwards as well. It's a great looking partnership. Hugo and Wells, I, th- I think it just looks good together. It looks like they have a bit of chemistry. And what I think they need to do in this game is press from the front. Really get, you know what it's like at Loftus Road. It's quite intimidating with the fans on the pitch there if everyone's in the mood. If they can get in the faces of these West Brom players who will play out from the back, and I still don't think they're particularly good at it with Ajayi and Bartley and whatnot. They want a bit too much time on the ball. Um, I think QPR can can catch them cold in the game. I think this is this might be a game uh, that that exposes a bit of fragility in the rear guard at West Brom, which which I still don't think is quite good enough to see them finish in the top two, maybe in the playoffs. There's a, an interesting contrast given all we said about Bilic, whether he knows his his best eleven. You get a feeling from Albert absolutely knows, doesn't he? Which team for each situation and adapting within the game as well. Yeah, and he's he's had to 
be clever. For example, at left back, he's not had Wallace, so he's had Manning. He's kind of stumbled across Manning yeah. uh, in there. But another one you could point out was Barbe. He clearly wants to play out from the back, so he's recruited a player who's comfortable doing that. He's gone to a three now to make them a little bit more defensively sound. That's, that's still the concern, uh, I think, for me moving forward but they don't half look more comfortable as a back back three, back five. One of the other games then, let's rattle through a few more coming up this weekend. Preston up against Bristol City. Alex Neal's first 100 games have come and they've gone. 40 wins, 30 draws, 30 defeats. There's a balance about that, <laughs> is there not? He's a balanced kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, let's He's... see 120 <laughs> games if they can all equal out. <laughs> be quite some feat, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a good, good looking game this, Preston against... Bristol City, they're the best team at home, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Deep down, absolutely perfect record so far. What I liked is that he had a good defence last year with, with Story in there alongside Davis and he changed it, he upgraded. He, he brought in Bauer, didn't he? Who'd, who'd been so impressive at Charlton and he's taken that 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 unit a little bit further forward as well. Um yeah, they're very good side. I think they've got a slight infallibility. I've looked at the goals, studied the goals they've been conceding, which isn't many, but five of the seven have come from crosses. So, so in general play, they're very hard to, to penetrate, set pieces, solid. But when opposition sides get into wide areas, they do have a slight fragility. So look out for that this weekend. But no, Preston are, are becoming increasingly solid, aren't they? I love what's happened with Sean Maguire as, as well. Alex Neil talking about he, he always thought he should be a double figures mm. player anyway, but he seems to be getting the best out of him too. What about for, for Bristol City then? I think the big issue, and we've probably spoken about this to a blue in the face, is the striker. Um, having what lost low phobia, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm having lost a phobia, and it, it sounds like he might only recover for the tail end of the season, mm. which is a huge blow. Did you did get a decent return of goals last year, but it's how you get him the ammunition. And that seems to be the big talking point at Ashton Gate at the moment. Eliasson hasn't been playing um, week in, week out. He has got that delivery, which I think he would thrive on Hunt from the other side, maybe. So it's just getting that puzzle right, I think, for, for Lee Johnson. And I would anticipate him going, well, I'd anticipate him sticking with a 3-5-2 a, a away from home. He has played a 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3 at times. But I would imagine, because he's got four good centre-halves going away, I would probably expect him to pick three of those. But we'll see. But I think Giju, possibly uh, the young player, Semenyo, who's mm. getting rave reviews, 19-year-old, uh, was at Newport on loan last season. Maybe he could get those two in tandem. They could do the business. I'm at the Bristol City game against Charlton in a couple of weeks. I might pop into to Preston, Bristol City at the weekend. It kicks off though Fulham Wigan on Friday night and Stoke City, Nottingham Forest is the TV game that we're at on Friday. Those are your championship fixtures coming up over the weekend. Let's get the odds from Abby. Sam has said a score draw for QPR West Brom. Is Sam right? If you want to have a draw for QPR West Brom, then I can give you five to two. And when I say I, I mean William Hill. If, however, you're fancying QPR to carry on their four-match winning run to make it five, then that is eight to five for the home win. And for the away win, West Brom, 13 to eight. How tough will Bristol City find their trip to Preston? Well, if you fancy the home win, then it is 23 to 20. The draw is 12 to five, as is the away win for Bristol. Those are some selected odds from the championship. It has been one heck of a ride. Let's take a left turn into League One next. Hey, Clarkie. Arsenal could have had a bit of a close shave last night against Forrest. 
Yeah, but thankfully it wasn't the closest shave I've had this week, Caroline. No, no. Thanks to the team at Harry's Razors, my face is smoother than it's ever been. Which is perfect because you're now a Hollywood actor. I thought you were looking more suave than usual, Sam, for the purposes of the audio. Have a feel of Adrian's face to confirm his smoothness. Go on, feel me. Feel him. Feel me. Feel him. Look, Dan, why is it so smooth? <laughs> well, I've been using Harry's trial set, which you, the <laughs> listeners, can also have a try of too. It includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. It's got a weighted ergonomic handle, of whatever course. that is. F- not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. Five? You know someone that scored five? Precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and the trimmer blade. It's got rich lathering shave gel, which I have to say, I squirted all over my bedroom floor, a uh, bathroom floor, and it also <laughs> includes a travel blade cover. I tell you what, you had me at lubricating strip. Uh, the good news is that because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95 to support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel that you too can spill all over your bedroom floor and travel blade cover. Go to harrys.com forward slash footy right now. That's harrys.com forward slash footy. And you too can look as smooth as Adrian. For those that need to know, it's harrys.com forward slash F-O-O-T-I-E. Well done, Sam Parkin, checking it out straight away on his phone. League One. Is there any other headline apart from Henrik Larsson to Southend? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? Possibly, perhaps not. Michael Appleton's first match in charge of Lincoln ended in a 6-0 thrashing by Oxford United. And there are 91 minutes on the clock. Burton are 1-0 up at Tranmere. You'd be forgiven for thinking they were high and dry. But Tranmere Rovers, well, they never give up. They scored in the 92nd and the 95th minute to win the match. Play to the whistle, lads. Play to the whistle. Southend United, Adrian Clark. Mm. That's all I'm going to say to you. <laughs> well, well done. They got their first win. So that's, <laughs> Is that what you want uh, to so talk about? Good. Well, they were inspired, weren't they, by Henrik Larsson in the stands, clearly. Apparently looking less likely Is now. it? Well, personally, I'm pleased about that. Not because I don't like Henrik Larsson. He's, he was a brilliant striker. And I've met him and he's quite a dry character. Takes a bit of warming up. But, but he's, a, he's a good fella. But I just... Don't don't get it. Don't get the link. And I think that he would totally be using Southend as a stepping stone to, to get a bigger job in mm. English football, which in itself isn't the best way to, to start things off. And his record as a gaffer is, is pretty average. Helsingborgs, it went really horribly wrong. They sort of drove him out of the club. I went, I went to see him there, did actually. Yeah. did a bit for the BBC World Service. And it didn't feel like... I mean, it felt like a, a warm, welcoming club, but it didn't feel like he was necessarily part of the fabric there. Okay. You know, when you, really? you walk yeah. in and, and you want a manager to, I don't know, be everywhere, be part of the essence of that yeah. club. And I guess that's what Danny Cowley's trying to do at Hudsford, right? Speaking to everyone. I just mm. didn't get bit, that bit, vibe. Bit, a bit aloof. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got great knowledge. He's worked. I've looked at some of the managers he played under. Rijkaard, uh, Lars Lagerback, Kenny mm. Dalglish. Martin O'Neill, who I know he, he loved Martin O'Neill, but it doesn't always mean that you're going to be a great manager. So, yeah. so look, if, if it doesn't happen, I don't think Southend fans should despair. There are lots of good, promising managers in the lower leagues and in the National League as well. But we've seen 
we have seen bigger names come into lower league clubs mm. and it worked. Mm. Take note, Sol Campbell going into into Macclesfield. So what he what he could bring to it and the influence he could bring if you're if you're a young striker there, what he could do with yeah. an arm round and, mm-hmm. and helping. Right, that's that's a given. I always always say if someone walked into a lower league club of that of that ilk, I would have absolutely loved it. Yeah. And you know, you're you're picking their brains the whole time, as long as they're ones that want to tell you the anecdotes and pass on that wisdom, which I'm sure he would have been. I don't know why I'm turned into the tweeter, uh, the tweet reader today, <laughs> but the, that red-haired dude with the news last week of Henrik Larsson potentially going to Southend, which former world star would you like to see take over your EFL club and why? I don't want to sack Warburton, but I want Gabriel Batistuta alongside him. <laughs> <laughs> or at Swindon. I, w- I want uh, Ronaldo in at Crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good fish and chip shop. Oh, well, there you go. Which Why Ronaldo? wouldn't he go? Uh, yeah, both. <laughs> Mar- Maradona. If, look, if, if he can't get Larson, just get Maradona. It, it'd uh, shake things up at Roots, so no doubt about it. <laughs> but no, it's... Um, no, you're right. The, the, these big names, they have that credibility with the players, but they've got to be good, good communicators, yeah. haven't they? That's the most important thing so so look it, it would have been okay i would have backed it if it doesn't happen they might have dodged a bullet it's, it's funny isn't it uh when i was involved at chelmsford we had glenn pennefather who'd mm-hmm. been at the club for years and years and years success after success after success but always in the playoffs and they wanted to move on and dean holdsworth mm-hmm. came in and at the time if you're sat i could i could see it on the board what oh, Dean Holdsworth and he talked about the friendlies he was getting, and it didn't work out now for one reason or another there was other stuff going on whatever it didn't work out but there was for a moment it lifted the whole club and if you are moving on from someone who's been in position for a long time mm-hmm. who is maybe the club needs some value injected and I don't mean money yeah. but if you want to give a lift to the fans sometimes it can it can yeah, work. I, anyway. I just think in the predicament that they are at the moment Southend, yeah. they probably would be wiser to go with someone who's who's fire fought at that mm. level before yeah and we probably have spoken far too long about it because all indications are that he's not going there however he was linked with a couple of jobs within the football league so you wouldn't bet against him turning up at a football lug uh, f- football lug <laughs> he's turning up for a football lug aren't we all uh Barry, quick word on it's never a quick word on on Barry. Oh, i don't know what's going to happen but mike Mane, who often comes on the show from bbc radio manchester has been tweeting a lot about it this week but particularly about the fact that EFL members are going to vote on how 2021 season is going to look. So the three options, do nothing, remain at 71 clubs, 23rd place in League Two gets a reprieve or admittance of another club. So that could be Bury, or it could be a, a soft way of getting three up from the, the National League. Personally, having seen it happen lower down, I think the reprieve might be the the way that they go so a club well, it's a waste it. of ink isn't it saying stick with 71 I mean that's yeah. not a, who's going to vote for that it's nonsense yeah. so so that's stupid I, I definitely think reprieve the 23rd team um, but yeah what what happens with Barry is going to be absolutely fascinating isn't it personally look, but, but what comes first because no one's going to buy Barry are they until they know if it's going to be okay for Barry under new ownership to have Where this reprieve. They're not going to buy them and then start again in the, in the 10th tier or something, are yeah. they? So so I don't know how the timeline is going to work there. They need to get a lot of things kind of written down in stone, I think, before before making the call. Votes on Thursday, so you may already know by the time that we listen or you listen to this even. Oxford, Gillingham then. Let's have a look at, at the games coming up. The Robinson-Evans derby, um, Oxford United... I don't know why I'm pinning so much on that. I, they might be actually, I don't know if they are good mates, 
Steve Evans and Carl Robinson. But that's that's a touchline fracker yeah. that I'd love to see. Yeah, it'll be entertaining, won't it? Um, every ball will be kicked. Do you want to analyse that or the game? <laughs> either well, either that, way, I'm enjoying it. He's had it. a big tear-up with um, Paul Lambert, hasn't he, at mm. the weekend, which is a bit pathetic to me because... <laughs> I'm, only they really know what went on. We don't need to know about it, do we? You no. know, it's a lot of name calling, etc. But it sounded like good stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, just Oxford on the back of that six nil at Lincoln, their biggest ever away win in, in their league history. Amazing, and it was just one little tactical tweak. Ben Woodburn playing slightly deeper rather than as a number ten, playing as a, a number eight and a more orthodox four three three, which seemed to allow Henry and and Fosu to get closer to the central striker. So. Interestingly, same team that beat Lincoln that drew at Sunderland on the, the first day of the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've kind of been criticising Oxford for being a little bit limp in attack and Jamie Mackey not being the, the man. And yes, they've got Taylor now, but very good to see all that front three uh, amongst the goals. West Ham tonight in the cup. I expect them to, to beat Gillingham on, on Saturday and really get their, their season motoring. Mm, There's yeah. a, a really interesting, really interesting piece in the Telegraph with with Robinson talking about actually the ambition at, at the club, the owners, and now it's about that actually how he takes them forward and how he progresses. So, in different start, mixed start to the to the league, but yeah, now but, about well, the expectations uh, are picking up. What that performance could do potentially for for them is is huge, isn't it? Yeah. Win six in Lincoln. I mean that's. That, I know Lincoln are in a sort of state of limbo at the moment, or well, they were, but uh, that's a phenomenal performance. The quality of the goals yeah. outla- outlined how many match winners they have. Obviously, Fosu is, is a hit and miss player, but when he's hot, he's very hot. Yeah, it's going to be a sort, sort of clash of styles, isn't it, this mm-hmm. one? Gillingham are a bit more bitty, aggressive, sort of direct. They, no one plays more long balls than Would Gillingham. Would you expect anything there? What I'll say about <laughs> Gillingham is that I looked at the, 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 who they've played. They've played six of the top eight already. So they've had probably a tougher start than most teams. Um, they, they're not pretty. They're not going to win many friends. Not with a guy in the dugout. But I wouldn't write them off of having a, a sort of top half season because they've got they've got some good options, particularly in, in forward areas with uh, Yakubiak, Hanlon and Jolly and Mandarin. They've got four young players, hungry players that, that I think will get them enough goals this season to to be competitive. And they've got Ollie Lee, who I always liked at yeah. Luton. I thought that was a good pickup from Hearts. Didn't really work for him in in Scotland. So, so yeah, Gilles, yeah, they're not going to be very popular. But I think that I personally think they can maybe get into Oxford and and unsettle them here. The best um, put down from that spat was Paul Lambert saying they got good players. They didn't need to be physical and nasty and all that. Do you know what I mean? Just like basically telling Steve Evans yeah. what he's got at his disposal, yeah. which yeah. I thought was a nice little rib shot. Just they're better than that. They're better than that. <laughs> Found his ribs. Uh, nine or ten games into the season, unless you, unless you are Doncaster or, or Bolton, just played the eight games from Portsmouth on the seven games this season. So that gives a, an interesting reflection on where clubs will be. Read Coventry second behind Ipswich, top of the table, having a laugh. And Doncaster seventh. Coventry, Donny, this weekend. Mark Robbins up against Darren. I don't know why I'm focusing on the managers now. Let's just leave it with that. that the battle of the weekend is that first game. Um, but Doncaster heading to, to Coventry. Yeah, I think it's a good game, obviously. Top of the table type clash. I just can't praise Coventry enough for the, for their attitude, for the way they've adapted 
to St Andrews and I just love the way they've reinvented the team again. Mm. Yeah, because they keep losing players every year, but then they they sort of bring in different types and they're just as good, if not better. And, and, and I think that this current crop might be the best that Robbins has had so far. I, I love the... The sort of pace and directness of Jabello and Hiwula, either side of a proper goal scorer, a finisher in in Godden. And then in midfield, you've got more energy now, I think, a bit more a bit more vibrancy. Liam Walsh, a good pick-up. Callum Hare's an excellent player on loan from, from Villa. Zane Westbrook's creating things. You've got Shipley. So, like, there's a lot of creative talent at Coventry. And behind it, you've got that platform that Robbins always has, which is good organisation. We're not going to gift you anything. Only one team has conceded more shots than Coventry. Uh, Less shots rather than Coventry. So they're they're, they're tight. How much of it is siege mentality? How much of it is still him saying, the world's against us, we're at St Andrews? I don't know, but... uh, I don't feel like the world is against them, really, no. do you? They're not playing like that, are no, they? No, I, I, I kind of just feel that Mark Robbins is a shrewd manager that has a strong platform, as in he works a lot on the shape of the team. But what he's got now is is a group of young, quick, creative types that will go out and, and score goals. I think this is going to be a cracking match, actually, mm. Coventry against Donny. I think two of the teams that are not necessarily overperforming but have taken us by surprise, I, I would say, there's a brilliant chap on Twitter, Sideways Sammy. He's actually from the of the Coventry Persuasion, but he's done the statistics ahead of this game. Uh, and Donny have had the toughest start in the division. They've Every team they've faced were positioned in the top 10 when they played them. So they are punching well above their, their weight, mm. if you like. Um, I just like them all over the pitch, to be honest. Defensively, second best record in the division. Uh, Cameron John, the lad on loan from Wolves, already getting admiring glances from the Premier League by all accounts. Him and Anderson, uh, fantastic centre-back partnership. Ennis looks the real deal, the centre-forward on loan from, from Wolves. And then you've got the old boys, the fulcrum of the, the squad, if you like, Coppinger, uh, and Whiteman still doing the business at the base of the midfield. So I think they've been fantastic. And I would go as far to say that victory over Peterborough was probably arguably the performance yeah. of the weekend. Yeah, I wish we talked about that last week because they've got they're such a good part. They make the pitch big. Yeah. So what they do, they, 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 yeah, they, they're very confident on the ball. They stroke it around. And I think with Peterborough being narrow, I could just see them making Posh chase the ball. And I think that's kind of what happened. I watched bits of the game against Ipswich. It was only nil-nil, so it kind of snuck under the radar. They absolutely battered Ipswich. They kept the ball magnificently in that game. So, so yeah, I, Doncaster, I, th- I think I tipped them to struggle at the start of the campaign. Well, you uh, would have done, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you would have done. I think anyone yeah. would have, given yeah. the players that they'd lost. Yeah. But, no, couldn't be more impressed. Abby's here, then, for the odds for League One. Starting off, Abby, how many times will we see Robinson and Evans square up for Oxford United and Gillingham? <laughs> um, I don't actually have odds on that what one, What do afraid. you have the odds on, then? Well, let me tell you what I do have the odds on. It is for an Oxford win. They are favourites 10 to 11. For a draw, you're at 13 to 5. And for a Gillingham win, it is 14 to 5. Now, had Joe Crilly from William Hill been here, he'd have had the odds on a square up, but I'll let you off this time. Uh, Coventry <laughs> up against... Come back, Joe. <laughs> Coventry up against Don of the Caster. Don of the Caster. If you want Donny to win their uh, third away game of the season, that is five to two. However, if you're fancying Coventry to do well at the home, away from home, it is 21 to 20. League one then, as calm as Abby's odds. Let's head to League two where it's all enjoyably close at the top. 
producer Abby here and a quick public service announcement for you. Have you seen our website? You really should take a look. There you'll find the best from the podcasts as well as some very fine original content. This week we wonder what changes Tottenham need to make after letting their squad go stale. We live in hope that teams who have dominated the big European leagues could be toppled this season. And we take a look at the championship's most understated and underrated team Preston and how this could be their year. Yeah. That's all on the totallyfootballshow.com. Go there now or else. I don't know what else I've just been told to say that. That's the totallyfootballshow.com. Into League Two. Keep the conversation coming at the Totally Show. We might have a special feature every week on Sam Reads Your Tweets. The League Two headlines after 10 matches, two points separate first to fourth. Crews surprise team in there. They sit merrily in second after a 4-1 win over Salford at the weekend. Exeter remain top, remain unbeaten. Can you see past them? 22 points. Stevenage continue to sit in 91 out of 91 with four points and no wins still to their name. Oldham have brought in Dino Mamria. There was a gosh, I think, was my tweet. There was an ooh, said another. Uh, your reaction in one word to come. And Lake Norrin's interim manager, Ross Embleton, has announced that he'll step down to assistant manager in the coming weeks. Orient are going to bring in a new head coach. Interesting reading Martin Ling's comments on that too, thanking Ross, but also then saying that he will remain as assistant coach, which is always difficult for any new manager coming in, Sam? It can be, but they've got a real plan in, in place. They've done it with the two previous managers. Obviously, Martin Ling is Orient through and through. Ross has been a, a supporter all his life. Yep. They've known each other since they were 20. He's important, I think, given what's gone on, that Absolutely. he remains in, in situ. You can um, have two assistants as well, can't you? Like the, the, whoever yeah. the new person is can bring their own team. Well, we've got Danny Webb as yeah. well. So, yeah. yeah, there's no reason why he can't bring in another member. We saw it with Simon Bassett at AFC Wimbledon, didn't we? When he had that, that little mm. spell for a bit and then at the end of the season, he walked yeah, away. Yeah, I, I, I just think Orient, in my mind, you look at what Southend potentially were going to do with Larson. I don't see Orient doing something similar. Mm. I, I think they'll bring someone in who's got the four or five years experience like Justin Edinburgh had when he got the gig. So yeah. I think it's someone that's got experience of that level, who's got you know, 100, 200 games under his belt. Of course, he's going to have to work with what's already at the club. Um, but it's going to be a struggle I, for I'll it. I'll check a name in from Henry the National Larson. League. No, he's <laughs> <laughs> a player I played with briefly. Uh, Neil Smith, his manager at Bromley. Yeah. Um, worked with him briefly at Welling United just before I, I sort of packed it in through injury. And I really liked the cut of his jib at the time. He's a chirpy character, but knows his football. Vastly experienced in league one and two is smudge. And they're top, aren't they, of the, of the National League at the moment, Bromley. It's been one upward curve. He's kind of local. I, d- I think that would be the type of manager that I would be targeting if I was Leighton Orient. It's, it's quite a pull mm. being an EFL team and it'd be hard for somebody like him to resist that opportunity. And I think that he, knowing him as a do as a character, I think he'd be happy to embrace uh, somebody like Ross Embleton as part of the team. Now, apart from the fact we can now go Dino at Oldham, what did you make of Mamria coming in? I was surprised, but I think it sounds like they were in for him prior to appointing Benid. Yeah. So we shouldn't be too shocked about it. And it's got an immediate reaction. And Stevenage were fantastic at the tail end of last season. I don't know why 
he hasn't been able to get a tune out of that squad of players because I was quite optimistic, you know, looking ahead to this season of their yeah. chances. So, no, he, did, he deserves an upper opportunity. It's not a club I presume he knows particularly well. And if he can keep the uh, owner and the owner's brother and the owner's wife and the owner's nephew out of the dressing room, he might have <laughs> half a chance. He will know that, surely. Well, because we all know it. It'll walking into that club what he's facing off the field yeah but I don't I don't I think he he kind of had no choice because Dino Manry is he's obviously we know him because we really follow the EFL closely but he's not a superstar name he's someone that's more synonymous with, synonymous with Stevenage he's someone that could have drifted out of the game yeah. if he if he doesn't get a job soon so I think the fact that he's picked this up right away was almost essential for him and and look, it's a difficult job. We know that. I don't know a lot about their players. I need to 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 watch them a little bit more closely. Oldham Athletic. They they've sort of passed me by a little bit so far this season. But but they don't no. stand still, do they? No. Um, they really, there's so many changes there. Yeah. They look good going forward. They, sc- they they score goals, don't they, Oldham Athletic? But um, yeah, let, let's see how we let's see how we fare. A couple of old old stages there. David Weeter, Chris Eagles, I noticed. But um, but yeah, wish him luck. Fell on his feet, I think, there. I've worked a little bit with Natalie Atkinson, who's their managing director, who was at Southport previously, and she has got big personal ambitions mm. um, So and, and is very structured in the way that she wants to do something. So I wonder how much of an influence she had on, on Dino Mamaria mm. coming into and when her influence might tell off the pitch. Right, a couple of games from the weekend then. Cheltenham up against Crew, Mr Clark. Oh, yeah, this is a good game. Really good game. Sam will get to crew, I'm sure. But but if I can just have say a few things on Cheltenham, 15 goals in five home games. I mean, that's, that's mega. Mm. That is absolutely fantastic for Cheltenham, who, let's be honest, have not pulled up any trees in in the last couple of years, have they? No. So under Duff, they're, they're transformed. They've scored two or more goals in six of their last seven, which shows that they're getting it right home and away. Yeah, there's just so much to like about them. They've got two up front, which is something I always like to see with with Riley and and Varney. You've got the the unpredictable Alex Adai to come off the bench if 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 it isn't really working at the start. I think they've got one of the best keepers in in Scott Flinders in the division. Bit open at times, Cheltenham to to counters, and that will be a problem potentially against Crew, who seem like they're excellent on the break. But um, but no, this is. Um, it's bound to be nil-nil now, isn't it? But I just, I just think it, it, it's set to be entertaining. Ryan Broom as well is the, is the other standout. Four goals, three assists for him. <laughs> um, no, he's, uh, he's doing the biz in, in central midfield. So, no, I, I, I like the look of this game. We always had Paul Brush, who did actually <laughs> drop into the sweeper role for us. So that, that worked. Uh, Exeter 22 points, Crew 21, Cheltenham 20. Yeah, obviously the most attractive fixture in it in League Definitely. 2. Score draw for me. I'm going for the QBR West Brom vibe. <laughs> I had a little look at um, Crew starting lineup, and we know how many youth team uh, products they've had over the years. Eight out Eight. of the 11. That starts against Salford and the squad 11 out of the 18 with youth products. Well, I just think it's incredible. I mean, how can you not want them to be successful when they're producing that amount of players? Do you you want to talk about the Lowry goal? Yeah, I mean, he's the man of the moment. And I made a note of the midfield players because of the way that he's performing. Lowry, 21 years old, already 63 league appearances. Jones, 23 years old. 
nearing 150. Gosh. And Ryan Wintle, 22 years old, close to 100 league appearances. I mean, it's astonishing. And that's across the piece. And, and yeah, Lowry is supplying goals and now he's taking opportunities as well. And it was a wonderful, not just initial touch, but the second touch to give him the shooting opportunity and then the presence of mind to lift uh, it over the goalkeeper. And they are a reminder to, to supporters and to, to managers maybe of the need to not lose faith with young players. Because when they initially come through, the first 20, 30 games, you might get a little spike at the start and then things can, can level out and you think, oh, are they really that good? But these boys have, even though results were, weren't brilliant mm. for crew, they've continued to gain experience. And now, in their early 20s, they're, they're looking... Looking the real deal. After so, all that, sorry. No, I was going to say, nil-nil that one and Lowry on the bench. After all that, <laughs> the two most important players for crew this weekend, 36-year-old Hunt and 31-year-old Nolan, the two centre-halves, playing up against Varney and an old teammate of mine, Gavin Riley, who I played with at Queen of the South. And he was about... Did you do? He didn't give us much time just to guess that one, did he? <laughs> no. How long was the show? Four days. Uh, I was about to say, when I was on loan... involving all your clubs. When I was alone at Carlisle, I was so lonely and it was so dull Gavin I had Riley nothing there. to do that I, w- I thought I'm just going to go and see what Queen of the South looks like I just went for a drive <laughs> just to see Queen of the South she oh. wasn't that far away and I was like oh there it is yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen the ground like, yeah, I, can't. Well, I think I stopped in at Gretna on the way back can you remember you the do. name of the town it will come to me when you say Dumfries. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Again, yeah. no time for me to have a guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only answer I knew. Uh, other big games this weekend, Late Orient, Port Vale and others. We'll get the odds on those now with Abby. We only got around to reviewing one match. Such was the chat between Sam and Adrian. So Cheltenham up against Crew it is for you, Abby. Cheltenham up against Crew. If you're fancying Cheltenham, 11 to 5. If you want Crew, that's 6 to 5. And if you just fancy a draw, because why not? 12 to 5. I was going to say f***ing giggles then, but I won't. Oh, maybe I'll include that in the podcast. Oh, that's it from us. Any other car journeys you'd, you'd like to talk about? <laughs> car journeys are oh, like A lot of car journeys coming up this weekend. Yeah, I'm oh. looking forward to it. Might even check my tyres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to again because it's my birthday. I'm just going to chill whoa, whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And can uh, I just say that these, head- birthday. these headphones are really hurting my head. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not actually. I am sorry. You are released. And what a trooper you are. And, and just for that, I, I will give you my idea for a sat-nav which has um, random mentions of football clubs on it every so often. I, I want a football club app part of the sat-nav rather than just McDonald's and KFC. Mm. Um, tell which eateries I go to. Uh, thank you, everyone. It has been memorable. And uh, not least, you and your stitches in here, Mr Clark. So thank you for, for working through oh. the pain. Sam Parkin, thank you for working through the pain of being with us. Uh, we'll be back this time next week. As always, thank you for your ears. It's Clarky, Parky and Barky. Thank you, Abby. Over and out. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>